You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. king of Babylon came up against Jehoiakim. He was the king of the Babylonian Empire and he was concerned about Judah. Judah had a very strategic place. Judah had a very strategic place. It was between Egypt and the Assyrians and he wanted that strategically. He saw the need to have there so he came up and securely conquered it. Now, had they been following the Lord, had they been seeking after the God with all their heart, had they been serving Him, had they been true to Him, this would have never happened. Have you ever had someone say, I told you so? Well, Pastor Dave shares that God had many I told you so moments with the nation of Israel, but they always seem to forget what He told them. So you must try not to forget what God has spoken to you so you don't stumble like the Israelites did. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 36 as he begins his message, Bottom of the Ninth. We're going to finish 2 Chronicles. Yes, we are. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 36. To the final chapter in the book of 2 Chronicles, the great reformer Josiah is dead. Judah's last chance at redemption is all but gone. But our Lord is still long-suffering with his people. He hasn't judged them. He hasn't sent his judgment to them. And When I read this, my mind is weird, and I'll admit my mind is weird. It's like it's the bottom of the ninth of a ball game, and Judah is up to bat, and there's only three outs left, and then game over. It's done. What are they going to do with the time they have? Are they going to make a run for it and try to win the game and get back in God's graces? Well, we'll see. The Lord had compassion upon his children. He sent messenger after messenger to them, warned them constantly through the prophets, continually warned them of the judgment that was going to come. The Lord desperately wanted his people to repent and turn to him. If my people who were called by my name, you know that verse, would humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, then I would hear from heaven and heal their land. The Lord wanted them to repent. And if they refused, he had no choice but to send judgment. If they refused, he had no choice. Folks, I see the same situation happening in the world today. The exact same situation happening in our world today, in our country today. Warning after warning has been set out. We've had his word for centuries now. Jesus Christ has come. He died on the cross for sins of all the world. And he is now back with the Father. The Holy Spirit is the agent of the Godhead on earth today, moving and convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the judgment will come. But the world has turned stiff-necked. They've refused him. 
They've disobeyed him. Messenger after messenger after messenger has been sent to foreign lands, to this land, all over the place. The gospel has been preached. The gospel has been taught. But yet men still reject him. Men still find a way. We're pushing God into a corner where he must act righteously. He must deal with sin. He must deal with evil. And he will. Hence, we're studying the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. We're studying it. So this is where we are. This is where we are in today's study. I feel like the world is at the bottom of the ninth as well. Bottom of the ninth. So the first thing I see that's happening is the people of Judah take one of Josiah's sons, Jehoiahaz, and make him king. Let's look at verse 1, chapter 36. Then the people of the land took Jehoiahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's place in Jerusalem. Interestingly, that the name Jehoiahaz carries the meaning Yahweh has seized. It was probably a throne name for his personal name, we find out, is really Shalom. You can find that in Jeremiah 22.11 and 1 Chronicles 3.15. The problem here, does anybody see a problem with that verse? The people put him in office. The people circumvented God's will. He is not in the line of secession. He is not the oldest of Josiah's sons who rightly should have the throne. The people put him in office. They circumvented God. Notice the result in verse 2 and 3. Jehoiahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Now, the king of Egypt disposed him at Jerusalem, and he imposed on the land a tribute of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. So his reign didn't last at all. We read in 2 Kings 23, 32, that Jehoiahaz did evil in the sight of the Lord. He disregarded all the reforms that his father, Josiah, had put in place. As wonderful as they were, they were not long-lasting. His own son, Jehoiahaz, did not follow his godly example. And remember, even the heart of the people were against the Lord. We read that. All the heart of the people were against the Lord. They didn't want to follow the Lord. The king of Egypt disposed of Jehoiahaz. Bottom of the ninth, one out. Look at verse 4. Then the king of Egypt made Jehoahaz's brother, Elikim, king over Judah and Jerusalem and changed his name to Jehoiakim. And Necho took Jehoiahaz, his brother, and carried him off to Eva. So Egypt. So Elikim, now the brother of Jehoiahaz, still not what God wanted. The king of Egypt makes him now king and changes his name to Jehoiakim, showing what? He has complete power over the nation. He has complete power, complete authority. Remember, we've talked about this before. Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. A theocracy means ruled by God. God was supposed to be their ruler. God was supposed to be their king. But when they whined and wanted a king, he gave them over and gave them Saul. God wanted them. But now... The king of Egypt has full power over everything, and he's naming a king. He's putting someone in there as king. And he takes Jehoiahaz and takes him down to Egypt. He's now captive. He's out of there. In verse 5, we see the reign of Jehoiakim. 
Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. So his reign lasts 11 years, and he's on the throne 10 years and 9 months longer than his brother. According to 2 Kings 23.35, Jehoiakim was nothing more than a puppet under the Egyptians. He imposed heavy taxes on the people and paid money to the Egyptians. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Jehoiakim, like his brother Jehoiahaz, did not follow the godly example of his father Josiah. And if you have a minute, if you'd like, turn to Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah 36. In verses 22 through 24, Jeremiah describes the great ungodliness of Jehoiakim. How he even burned a scroll of God's word. 22 and 24 of chapter 36 in the prophet Jeremiah. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these things. Nevertheless, Elanathim, Delilah, and Jeremiah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiah, the king's son, Zeruiah, the son of Azrael, and all those other guys, the scribe of the prophet, but the Lord hid them. He came after them. He came after them, and, and he burnt the scroll of God. How horrible is that? Look at 29 and 30. Well, let's read 27 through 30. Well, we might have to read further than that. Anyhow, it says, Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words which Barak had written and instructed of Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Take yet another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll which Jehoiahaz, the king of Judah, has burned. And you shall say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Thus says the Lord, You have burned this scroll, saying, why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and cause man and beast to cease from here? Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David and his dead body shall be cast out of the heat and the day and the frost of night. I will punish him, his family, his servants for their iniquity and I will bring on them the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah all the doom that I have pronounced against them but they did not heed the wickedness of Jehoiakim burning the scroll of God, burning the word of God. How important was it for them to have that scroll, have that word? What happens? Look at 6 through 8. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against him and bound him in bronze fetters and carried him off to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also carried off some of the articles of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim, the abominations which he did, and what was found against him, indeed, are they written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jehoiakim. He was the king of the Babylonian Empire, and he was concerned about Judah. Judah had a very strategic place. Judah had a very strategic place. It was between Egypt and the Assyrians, and he wanted that strategically. He saw the need to have there, so he came up and securely conquered it. Now, had they been following the Lord, had they been seeking after the God with all their heart, had they been serving him, had they been true to him, this would have never happened. God would not allow it to happen. We've seen that all through the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, even the judges. 
God would help them in their time of need. But they turned their backs on God. And God had to allow things to come against them. It was important for Nebuchadnezzar to conquer Judah and make them subject to loyal Babylon. He came against Jerusalem because the Pharaoh of Egypt invaded Babylon. We can read, you can read about that. Now, what's cool about this, what's really cool about this, and I'm not going to go into a long thing of it, but it all happened in 605 B.C. There would be two later invasions in from Nebuchadnezzar to Jerusalem in 597 and 587. But all this has been documented. Every single bit of it has been documented in the Babylonian Chronicles. And they found these in 1887. And, and it says in them, Nebuchadnezzar's 605 B.C. presence in Judah is documented and clarified. I love how man is constantly proving the Bible true. He's constantly excavations and digging things constantly, and they're constantly proved what was done in the Bible as proof, as true. But yet people still don't believe it. Still, People still believe it's fairy tales. I just read recently, and I think I told you about this, a while back, they actually uncovered the town of Emmaus. Remember when the two disciples, after the, after the, after the resurrection, after the crucifixion, they were walking to Emmaus? Well, they uncovered that town. I saw towns that were biblical when I was over in, in Israel. They're constantly unveiling, un, un, uncovering things. And everywhere we went in Israel, there was a tent where they were doing excavations. Everywhere. Old Testament, New Testament. It's all being proven. It's all being proven. Archaeologists found evidence of a battle and quantities of arrowheads and, and layers of ash. Nebuchadnezzar took only a few captives. But he did take one of note. Anyone can tell me one of the famous captives that Nebuchadnezzar took to Babylon? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The young boys he took. He bound them. Him in fetters. Jehoiakim in 2 Kings 24, 1-7. Because Jehoiakim rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, God did not bless this rebellion because though Jehoiakim was a patriot, but he wasn't a man who submitted to God. And this is what I've been telling you guys all along. I've been trying to tell you all along about my stance. I love this country. I love America. And I've been so blessed to be born in the United States of America. And I consider myself a patriot. But before I am a patriot, I am a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is first and foremost in my life. And I will seek God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. I will love him the best way I can and let the chips fall where they may. God is in control. Yeah, had these men done this and submitted themselves to God, as I said, none of this would have happened. None of this would have happened. So it looks like, although Jehoiakim got a single, he tried to steal second and was thrown out. Two outs. Two outs at the bottom of the ninth. Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. You're out of here. Shower time. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Jehoiachin was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months and ten days. During those three months and ten days, what did he do? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Here's what I can't understand. They see God working against them. They see these things happening. Can they not think back when Josiah was king, how things were good? And how things were peaceful and how God protected them and how God did wonderful things in their life. But yet they're still doing crazy things. They're still doing evil. 
Jeremiah said of Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim's father, he shall not sit upon the throne of David. And the word sit here means firmly sit or dwell. And Jehoiachin's three months was that. He was only there for three months. Notice, notice as we go through this. And the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned him and took him to Babylon and the costly articles of the house of the Lord and made Zedekiah, Jehoiakim's brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem. So, once again, Nebuchadnezzar comes back, and as he's back there, taking Jehoiachin out, he says, oh, I forgot some things. And he went in and raided the temple again and took more stuff from the house of God. This becomes the third out of the inning. This becomes the third out. And gang, the sides should be retired. It should be game over. It's the ninth inning. There are three outs. It should be game over. But guess what? It's God's game. And God can make the rules. So Jerusalem, Judah, is going to get a fourth out. God is so gracious. He is so long-suffering. He is so abounding in mercy that he's going to give them even another chance. Because it's his game, his ball, his rules. And this didn't happen overnight, folks. This fall of Jerusalem, the fall of Judah, took years upon years upon years to come to this point. And I don't, I don't understand. When, when, when sin happens, you know, we don't automatically go out and go, I think I'm going to go sin today. No, it takes a while to steam in us. It takes a while for, to get us to go. And then we find ourselves there, and we move into that way. This is what Jerusalem did. It didn't happen in one cataclysmic battle. Nebuchadnezzar started in 605, and he didn't finish until 597 or so, and even after that. So these things happen all the time. So we have a new king now in Jerusalem, another king. His name is Zedekiah. He is Jehoiachin's successor and Jehoiakim's brother, not his son. Interesting. Read verse 11 through 14. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years. There's that 11 again. He's reigning 11 years. So you put his reign with Jehoiahaz, who reigned three months, and then Jehoiakim, who reigned 11 years. There's three months, 11. And then Jehoiachin, who reigned three months and 10 days. So that's, let me see, three months, six months, six months, 10 days. So we got 11 years, six months, and 10 days, and another 11 years. We got 22 years, six months, and 10 days. That's how long it took. He was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. What, is he drop-dead stupid? Didn't he watch what happened to everybody else who was there who rebelled against this huge and monstrous king? And Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear an oath by God, but he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. And there it is, folks. There it is. Exactly what Stephen accused those who were about to stone him back in Acts 7. He called them stiff-necked and hard-hearted. The same thing is happening. He said, you're stiff-necked and hard-hearted just like your fathers were. And here we have it. It was stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Stiff-necked means 
stubborn. He was stubborn. Francis the talking mule, I guess. I don't know. He was stubborn. I don't know where that came from. Nebuchadnezzar had completely humbled Judah, and he put a king on the throne who he thought would submit to him. He chose his uncle of Jehoiachin, who was also the brother of Jehoiakim. In 2 Kings 24, 17, we're told the name of Zedekiah was originally Mananiah. That interestingly, the name Zedekiah means the Lord is righteous. The righteous judgment of God would soon be against Judah. God had had it. This is your last at bat, guys. You got one more out. You better swing mighty. You better swing for the fences because it's going to happen. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. It is especially shown that he did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet. Instead of listening to Jeremiah or other messages of God, they mocked them and they disregarded the message, even putting Jeremiah in the jail. They even put Jeremiah in the jail and gave him bread and water to eat. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. Jeremiah tells us that there were many false prophets in those days who preached a message of victory and triumph for Zedekiah. So they believed them. And then Jeremiah comes and says, you're going to get carried away. and Throw this guy in jail. We don't like what he says. Many of us seek counsel. Many of us like to seek counsel. Seeking counsel is good. But many of us go to counselor after counselor after counselor until we find the one we like. And when we hear that call, we go, oh, that's great counsel. That's what I want to do. They might give up the godly counsel and come to someone else who tells them what they want to hear. Probably never happened to you, but it happened to me a few times. Zedekiah rebels against King Nebuchadnezzar. In Jeremiah 52, 1 through 5, it tells us that Jeremiah clearly told Zedekiah that he would not succeed in his rebellion. He came to him and said, what are you going against this guy for? He's the king of the universe. This guy is the most powerful king ever. And you're going to go against him? Come on, you're not going to seed. You have turned your back on God, and you're not going to get it. So Zedekiah had him arrested and imprisoned him. But the prophet steadfastly stayed faithful to the message of God. And I love this about Jeremiah. I really do. I love this about most prophets. They stayed faithful to the message of God. And this is a call to all of us. It's a call to me as pastor. It's a call to anybody who teaches in this church. It's a call to anybody who shares the gospel or anybody who talks. We need to stay perfect and true to the word of God. We cannot divert from the word of God. We have got to stay true to what is sent. We got to stay true to the message that God has given us through Jesus Christ. We got to stay true to the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. That's the message. And he died on that cross for our sins. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. And through him, we have the forgiveness of sin and everlasting life. That's the message that we can't stray from. You know, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things in this book that we call negotiable. You know, things where we go, yeah, okay. You know, it, it might happen, it might happen. Yeah, that, that seems true. That, but there are those in this book that are non-negotiable. The gospel message is a non-negotiable item. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on Assure Hope.